0: to the Act 2 podcast, yeah. a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh.
1: And I am Josh Hallman.
0: As a reminder, we are a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This podcast is just one of the things that we do, so thank you for joining us here. Please remember to subscribe if you haven't already. It allows you to see our cool upcoming topics and all the cool guests we have coming up. It also helps us get in front of other writers, so if you like what you're hearing, that helps us help them. Um, If you'd rather DM us, though, send us questions, send us topic suggestions, just razz us, I don't know. You can do that all (laughs) at act2writers at gmail.com, which is all spelled out, act2writers. And I'm also on Instagram and Twitter as well. Story Thursday on Instagram, Tasha 3.0 on Twitter, and then Act Two Writers is on both those things.
1: Yeah. And I'm on Twitter at Joshua Hallman, and Instagram is Josh Hallman. Great day today, Tasha?
0: Question mark.
1: I feel like, as maybe it's because we're coming towards the end of the year, but you know, when someone's like, Just doesn't want to do something, and they're forced into doing it. And for the listeners, I always start the podcast, and I'll say we're recording. I just spring it on Tasha, and 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 now you're like, welcome back.
0: (laughs) The end of the year is getting me down. No, no, no,
1: I'm kidding. But today's great. Today's sponsored by um, Cutwater. It's a drink
0: want one so badly it looks so refreshing
1: it is very refreshing it's a tiki rum mai tie unofficially sponsored 100% unofficially <laughs> sponsored <laughs> what are we doing today Tasha
0: well I suppose we should start with this week in writing if we have any
1: I do I, I have a legit this week in writing
0: legit well the others haven't been legit
1: well sometimes I do this week in just like
0: Existing. my thoughts <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> this week in watching movies so I've been working on a script for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know this script. That's considered like a which, long time. <laughs> which one? Which which long <laughs> script? I think I've been on it for like two years. Okay. There's a little asterisk with 2020. I don't because like sure. you, I don't know the, some weird things happen. But the point being is there's a producer, and the producer came back. He's like, let's do some revisions, and I've been doing revisions on the script and what started small has turned into larger revisions, but I'm with it, and I think it's making the script better, and I'm almost, I see the the light at the end of the tunnel, but I had to go back and do, um, I hadn't looked at the script in a long time because the producer was do, you know, tied up with some other things, so we kinda took a break for a little bit. I'm basically revising the third act, and I looked at the script, and I'm like, okay, here we go, I'm gonna make my changes into the third act, but then I reread the script. Mm-hmm. I started to tweak some things and I was like oh maybe I can just trim this dialogue and this action and like before before I knew it like I cut pages out
0: I love that
1: I love it too but I guess my point is is like revisions never stop and just like scripts are never done yeah that's my point
0: this has been the the quandary of writers since writers were writers i I remember Herman Melville, who wrote Moby Dick, said that like he never felt Moby Dick was done, and that none of his stuff was done, and that's Moby Dick, which is like considered one of the greatest novels wow. in the world. So, yeah. you and Herman yeah. Melville,
1: oh share yeah, a connection, kindred spirits, <laughs> Moby Dick, but an Amblin adventure.
0: Yeah, <laughs> start that
1: mashup. But it just never ends, and like I. I thought this was going to be
0: a hopeful this week in writing. Like when you came back to it, you saw new things and you were like really energized. But (laughs) I
1: I, I think it's getting better. I don't know. I I guess I'm just bringing this up in case anyone's working on a script and they just keep revising, revising. At some point you have to finish it. However, it, it just happens. You just read things. You're like, this word sucks. And then like just little things like visuals and uh, descriptions and all sorts of, and then you got in my head about do I bold and underline my scene headings now?
0: I just read a script today that bold, underlined, it and italicized the screen the scene headings.
1: Put me in contact with this person. They're so bold. <laughs> <laughs> I need to I need to meet this person.
0: Yeah, it's interesting.
1: <laughs> the confidence.
0: Yeah, yeah, the something. All right, I guess, I guess I'll guess i do it this week in writing, too, then. Um, I had a huge brain fart this week on a script, and I just started procrastinating like crazy to like a really comical point.
1: <laughs>
0: it, like, I just started reading old scripts of mine as like my thing that I was regret. Procrast- like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it's because I was trying to do anything I could that felt potentially productive, yeah. but was clearly not. And totally. then- my way out of it a i didn't want a way out of it because i wanted to procrastinate i think my brain just was too tired and the reason why i was procrastinating by the way was because i hit a part in the script that i didn't know what to do next with Mm. it was an action sequence which is very apropos to today's episode but i didn't know how to do it and so i was just like do, do do twitter do, do do old script do do, do instead of actually yeah. trying to figure it out and what helped was actually reaching out to someone else to just kind of brainstorm what this could be and just bounce ideas off of it until i could create a new outline of what this action set piece could be and i was like great now i just have to like take a break and come back to it more energized and that's kind of how i got out of my cr- procrastination mode but it was it was a rough was half day so
1: y- so you reached out to someone and asked them just to kind of like uh, spitball and get you out of your, your, not a funk, but your procrastination. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way to do it. You need someone like that because yeah. procrastination is just like mandatory.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, I felt so guilty. But also, it, I didn't think I needed it. I think my brain just needed a break.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, you've, you, y- you have a lot going on. You're yeah, juggling psh, a lot. Psh. But listen, we could all die tomorrow, so you should be having a lot. (laughs) 2021
0: wisdom right there.
1: So, you know, whatever.
0: (laughs) On that note, (laughs) um, our episode today, I think is fun, but I think Josh and I are weirdly nervous about it. But we are going to talk about action scenes today, and what we're going to do is really break down... Action scenes from movies we think are iconic. They are. (laughs) They may may not be to other people, but we think they're iconic. And also really interesting examples of how to literally write action. This is not like stuff you're going to necessarily see on screen. It's just how you're going to convey your information in your script. And we wanted to talk about that.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. I do. Because, I mean, everyone loves action.
0: And the reason this came up, by the way, is because some people have been asking me lately, how do you write action? Do you just write like they fight? Do you literally write everything that happens? And I think the answer for me anyways, is somewhere in between, which started making me ask the question of, oh, that's interesting. Like, what are other people doing? I need to find out, do they just write Fighty McFight Fight? (laughs) Or I remember I read one script one time at Universal, and I won't say who the writer was, but... He wrote in the action description, they fight and it is really fucking cool and epic. And then he just moved on. Didn't bother writing the scene at all. That was it.
1: I feel like sometimes that works, like depending on the level of the writer. I have written in multiple scripts, I think at some point, like I pull references from, I've said like they fight like close combat, Jason Bourne style.
0: Ooh, that's cool.
1: And, And to me... I, I I get that because mm-hmm. it's, like, hand-to-hand, just, like, quick cuts, Jason Bourne shit. So, yeah, I think there's ways to just trim and just kind of, like, skirt around.
0: Yeah. I think comps can be very helpful. I remember in one action sequence I did, the two the two people were very different in their fighting styles. So it's, like, this person fights, like, WWE wrestler, and this person fights, like, they're in MMA. Uh, yeah. And one I said, like, oh, it's, like, Ollie versus Frazier. It's, it's this. So, like, you – you're immediately like clocking.
1: I remember that script. Oh, yeah. I remember when you said that.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like, okay, Tasha,
0: okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, this is crazy. Cause I was like, where'd this come from? And it made sense to me.
0: Yeah, it works. Yeah, okay. I think those shorthands can be really cool. So we have a, we have a bunch of different examples of really successful writers who have written action and we're gonna just break down how they do it, which is gonna be blast. We're all gonna learn something together.
1: Yeah, who starts first?
0: I think I should because I have more than you.
1: Okay. just. It's not a, joke. Just... It's not a jam. <laughs> okay. I'm sure that's why. But yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> and I'm going to see if you can guess what oh, yeah. script this is.
1: That's the other part is we're guessing what movie this is or what script this is. We're probably going to know. I'm going to change the names in my examples.
0: I'm going to try to change the names on the fly.
1: And just just so everyone knows, Tasha has printed paper in her hands right now
0: and it's highlighted there's notes
1: oh my god you're <laughs> <laughs> like scrolling in the background okay okay go okay. ahead go ahead all right let's do it
0: do, i should sort of set up this scene first because i'm not going to read the whole scene just kind of the, the part that felt interesting to me so it takes place on a rooftop mm. and someone has someone named andrew like by the throat Kind of like mm. like ho- holding them hostage. Okay. Andrew touches a stud on the bogus grenade. A three-inch blade shoots out with a sharp shick. The kid plants it in John's leg. The killer howls in pain. James sees his chance. Dives for the big forty-four. John throws his axe. It whooshes not two inches over James. Andrew makes a break for it, but John grabs him by the arm, yanks the grenade knife from his own leg. James raises the gun. John brings the knife down towards the kid's heart. James takes his shot. Blam! At which point, friends and neighbors, the film, for no reason whatsoever, goes completely out of focus. This doesn't stop the action, you understand, because even though we can't see what's happening, we can hear it. Shots, screams, pounding music, surely the best action sequence we've ever seen. Suddenly, a voice shouts, focus, and lo and behold, we slowly pull back to realize that we've been watching a movie within a movie.
1: The end. Wow. (laughs) What the fuck movie is that? I, I have no idea
0: last action hero by zach penn and adam left
1: oh that makes so much sense
0: but here's what's interesting the the draft that i'm quoting from says story by zach penn and adam left current draft by shane black and david or not and then doctored by william goldman which i've really? never seen doctored by as an actual credit before
1: yeah that's interesting
0: usually doctored by means that someone has come in sort of as a last pass revision and sort of uncredited has done some changes basically so
1: real quickly did you change the names
0: i did and it was really hard for yeah. me to remember who is who
1: because <laughs> his name was jack in that movie it was slate right? it's slate yeah jack slater, jack slater. and then yeah. the
0: ripper is the guy who's the bad guy in this
1: okay and i also just want to say like this isn't just me this is a lot of people but shane black like really helped me out in terms of writing action Mm -hmm. Uh, when i started to read his scripts and i saw the rules that he was breaking like what you had just said for instance uh this is the best action scene you've ever seen or whatever uh, you just said when i remember reading that and thinking oh i can do this like that was where my brain went and it was like oh this speaks to me because that's how i would write anyway
0: Mm -hmm. you're sort of like breaking the fourth wall and talking to the actual
1: reader definitely Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's, that's definitely why I picked this one was because it takes, at that point, it's like at which point friends and neighbors, the film for no reason whatsoever, and he starts talking to us, which is really interesting and obviously kind of works for this moment. And then also to just get, well, I'll ask you first, like what parts of the action scene stood out to you in the writing?
1: For me, it was the description of like the the grenade with the knife in the, in the leg. Like those were really like, visceral things for me. It was so engaging. I, I like basically stopped. I forgot we were podcasting. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does some interesting or they do. Who knows who actually wrote all of this, but they do some interesting things in the actual writing of it. There's a lot of capitalized words, for instance, mm-hmm. um, like the kid plants it in the ripper's leg. The kid is the only thing that's lower cased plants it in the ripper's leg is like ah like you you like you capitalize it because it's like a it's like a big feeling and then when the killer howls in pain howls is capitalized because you want that you you want to emphasize what that word is doing and then you have a couple underline words as well like it whooshes not two inches over slater that when he throws his axe the whoosh is, like, there's, like, three O's in that, and it's underlined. It whooshes. Because, again, in reading it, you can, like, feel what it's doing. And you're, as you yeah. said, it is very visceral and visual the way he writes it. Even, like, writing Slater takes his shot. Blam! And then there's just, like, yeah. an exclamation mark. It's all capitalized. it It feels exciting when you're reading it. And I'll also say that he doesn't – this is something I want to steal. He doesn't yeah. use full lines like – like normally, I would have like, you know, three lines in a paragraph and then change a new paragraph if it's a new shot or something like that. Or, But he does like half lines. Slater raises the gun, new paragraph. The Ripper brings the knife down towards the kid's heart, new paragraph. But it's also all together, if that makes sense. So there's no line breaks, but they're, ju- they're just like half sentences. And then
1: you mean they're like. It, i hate to even say what i'm about to say because it's gonna be like nerd central but it's like holding down shift and return yes, on final draft it okay. is
0: yeah yeah it's not creating a new paragraph it's just a it's a new line and that's okay. cool that creates pace too in a really fun way it's i mean really being a being a writer of action is just ways yeah. to trick your reader into getting really engaged and this is an interesting trick that they've chosen
1: wow tasha sounds great
0: That's my number one. Last action hero.
1: Last action hero. Okay. So I'm going to change names. And I am also going to have to read some dialogue.
0: Okay. Are you going to get into character for us?
1: Well, I do have my SEG card. So the answer to that is absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: hope you've studied your motivation for this scene. Oh, God.
1: All right. So... To set the scene, there's a person who is coming. You're gonna know what this is right so very quickly. <laughs> to set the scene, this is a person coming to get something of his. Let's just put it that okay. way. Okay. All right. We establish a cityscape. And then we cut to Takashi's automotive. We establish. It's an old and quiet and clean building, lost amongst dozens of others in a dying industrial park. A bus pulls up to the curb, pauses for a beat, and then rolls off. Leaving behind Brian, who walks across the street, his expression is blank. His gait is steady, his shoulders relaxed, hands limp at his sides, breath steady. The two guards at the door glance up as he approaches, standing as they shift into character. A guard says... Hey, what are you? And without slowing, Brian reaches into the man's jacket, slips free the pistol from his shoulder holster, and thump, thump, fires twice into the man's heart before turning. Thump, to fire once into the other guard's face, never slowing, kicking open the door. Interior, Takashi Automotive. To enter the facility, shooting anything that moves. He is the angel of death. Each target receives two well-placed bullets to ensure death. He never slows, never misses, and he will not stop. The primarily Japanese crew is in a panic. With most fleeing, a number of whom are shot in the back while those choosing to shoot back are cut down in a blink. Once emptied, Brian drops his pistol, kneels, sweeps up a fallen gun, levels, fires, always moving, and as he passes by a lift, slaps a button, slowly lowering his Mustang down to the floor behind him. Brian is a force of nature as he clears out of the building. He's unstoppable. John Wick? Tasha. That's John Wick, baby. <laughs> All the Bryans were John.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. That was so good.
1: Yeah. So it's not obviously as action-centric as what you had just described. Yeah, but
0: not like super active and, and urgent. Right. Yeah.
1: Not as urgent. That's correct. Is there anything that stuck out to you? <laughs> well, I was going to
0: say the pace. The the pace of what you read was like it completely set the scene for that action moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like how words like leveling like that, it felt level to me and and methodical. You go. Yeah. You go. You're excited. Well, no.
1: Well, well so what I love about it is. First of all, like the description of he is the angel of death. Yeah, yeah. It's like just, just I'm done. Like, <laughs> sign me up if I'm if I'm the first person who read who, this. Yeah, who read this? Yeah. yeah. But like, I'd be like, dude, hey, Derek Colstad, this is the coolest shit I've ever read in my life. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I just love the description. And what's interesting about it is it's also broken up. Mm. So, and this is kind of a consistent thing that I. I think is in current action movies where a lot of the action is uh, or excuse me, a lot of the description is one to two lines at most. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really get into big paragraphs, big anything. It's like, you know, he pulls out the uh, he pulls out the pistol and it's thump, thump. Next line. He fires twice into the man's heart before turning dash thump. Like, so it just Mm -hmm. is constant. Is thump lowercase capitalized Mm. we got some dashes in here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) which is mandatory in uh action scripts but so i loved it like i love this description because the way he just talked about john wick like walking in he's like the terminator basically coming in and just fucking kills people and gets a mustang
0: yeah you know what i don't like is action that doesn't tell character And that is a prime example of an action sequence that gives you a shit ton of character. And that's why we love John Wick so much is because those action scenes, Mm -hmm. you are so excited by who John Wick is. You're just, as you say, you're so in and it's because of the way that that's crafted.
1: Totally. Totally. And this was the first time and like it's building up to the, in this script, it's building up like the movie to, oh, this guy, like. You shouldn't have messed with this guy. You shouldn't have killed this guy's dog. Like, what, what were you <laughs> thinking? And this entire way, it's just kind of these little kernels are being planted. And then, boom, this is the first time we see him kill. Mm-hmm. He's the angel of death. Mm-hmm. Derek's coming on the podcast in 2022.
0: Hell, yeah. I feel like I, we could just talk about John Wick. And we should do a breakdown of John Wick.
1: That yeah, let's do it with so Derek.
0: great. i'm talking about
1: derek like i've ever met him (laughs) let's
0: do it let's let's have derek in and break down his own movie
1: all right let's do it
0: all right i'm gonna do mine now i have to to come up with a name though for my character
1: back to the future
0: all right exterior freeway overpass day bruce watches as the convoy approaches he casually gets up as if standing up out of an easy chair and drops an entire level down through the sunroof of the Escalade. Smash! There are four huge badasses inside the SUV, two in front, two behind. They stare in shock as Bruce lands back middle in a hailstorm of glass. Bruce turns to one of the goons. Boom! Mayhem erupts as the two men in back find themselves sharing a phone booth with the Tasmanian devil elbows, Mm. forearms, knees, cracking, crunching, screaming. From behind, the Escalade bucks and bounces down the road on its suspension, almost cartoon-like. Bruce gets shoved upside down and uses his feet to break the neck of the first man. The second man smushes Bruce's face into the seat's premium trim. Bruce grabs the driver by the hair on the back of his head and begins beating his forehead into shit the horn honk honk the stereo every time the driver's forehead smacks the face of the stereo again the radio station changes Tupac Scott McCreary Dr. Drew mariachi music the end this goes on for like six pages
1: (laughs) did you mean Dr. Dre what did I say no Dr. Drew Drew.
0: it says Dr. Drew
1: wow (laughs) Deadpool
0: yes Deadpool by Brett Reese and Paul Wernick directed by Tim Miller
1: Loved it. That was awesome. The description in that is great. Yeah. Specifically the Tasmanian devil in a phone booth.
0: Yeah. That's really, again, it's similar to what you were saying where you like find a simile or a metaphor to throw in there yep. to do a lot of work for you, basically. Yep. And also the lines like elbows, forearms, knees, cracking, crunching, screaming. That's one line. It, it doesn't go into two, which I feel like is important that it doesn't carry yeah. on into two. It's one line. It's all caps, all different words right separated by a period and then he does that again with the radio station
1: loved it and that that also kind of shows the tone of the movie Mm -hmm. as well you know that that is like even those references like when you start referencing tasmanian devil or you're smashing someone's like for instance i wouldn't reference michael myers in a children's script right you know what i mean like that that's just like when you're writing these things it just kind of sets the complete tone of your your uh yeah
0: like i would your, use your the Ali versus fraser comp here tasmanian devil because yeah. he goes on to say it's almost cartoon like you want to 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 hit the right metaphor simile yeah you're absolutely right
1: yeah and there's a lot of caps
0: a lot of caps but not overwhelming which is which is great he he also interesting, like cuts to outside of the escalade right from behind the escalade bucks and bounces down the road what i like is he doesn't go into a new header i i don't have to say exterior escalade i we see the escalade doing this that takes me out of the action right that ruins the flow and i've always thought about that too it's like well technically we're going outside do i have to technically but no just from behind the escalade's doing this and you get it you don't need it
1: that's an interesting point by the way because I think writers tend to overthink that, yeah. myself included. You have You're to be like, super literal. We're outside of the house.
0: Yeah, I love it. It's great.
1: Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Well, can I actually just say one quick thing about the uh, John Wick script? Yeah. He had a scene header. Derek had a scene header that was like exterior um, cityscape establishing. And then it went into another scene header exterior auto body shop, you know, mm-hmm. night. So the reason I bring that up is because it was literally just a scene header without any description. Oh,
0: there's no, it wasn't even like, what? No, it's like,
1: yo, this, this is just a cityscape fucking it's, you know what it is.
0: Wow. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Pretty cool. Huh? That
0: is cool. The balls on that guy.
1: (laughs) Fucking Derek. (laughs) All right, Tasha. My next one is a classic. Ooh. And I'm going to keep the names in it oh, no, because no, I don't I think you like know a what pressure. it is. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to set up the scene. This is a little longer, but I'll, I'll get through it and I'll read it like I'm a SAG actor. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, No, not, not really. <laughs> All right. Interior, condo, lobby. The elevator doors open and Julie makes for the exit. She sees a cab parked outside, slips back on her spiked heel, and starts to make a run for it when Fouché enters with Casper and Ferguson to either side. They sweep into the lobby, stalling just inside the doorway when they realize that their target is right there in front of them, frozen like a deer caught in headlights. To the right and left, people are at their mailboxes. Chet is on the phone behind the desk, but he's looking at Julie, and then... Fouché says, grab her, but the doors to the second elevator open. Burnett and Lowry step out in time to see Julie looking to them and the bad guys about to make their move. Wide shot from above. Fouché and his henchmen on the left. Burnett and Lowry to the right and Julie in the middle. Fouché is the first one to draw down. Lowry yells, Julie, drop down. Pandemonium. Guns drawn and blazing and three villains plus Burnett and Lowry driving and firing. People in the lobby scream and duck for cover. Smoke and plaster fill the air. Burnett pushes Teresa back into the elevator, making her lay on the floor as bullets cut above. Lowry slips behind a pillar as bullets whiz past. Julie on the floor in the middle crawling for cover when Fouché with the balls the size of Pennsylvania Two guns in hand, walks forward with barrels fixed and firing, clips out on one, tosses the gun aside, then, with his free hand, reaches down and grabs Julie by the hair and lifts her until she stands. Let's go, he yells. The end.
0: Damn. Bad boys.
1: Okay, thank God, Tasha, we would have fucking <laughs> ended this podcast. A couple quick things about this. Yeah. The reason I brought it up. First of all, I probably mispronounced one of the names in there. That was just an example of when you're dealing with a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. In that case, four main characters, Burnett, Lowry, Julie, the bad guy. Those are the four. And then there's like Burnett's wife. And then there's the henchman. And I felt like that did a really good job of kind of establishing everyone. Mm-hmm. And the way it was done in the script was Burnett and Lowry, like when I was reading that, they have their own scene headers. Mm-hmm. It just says Burnett.
0: Oh, like bolded capitalized
1: not, not bolded this there's actually no bolding in any of this um classic. but it is capitalized yeah classic.
0: old this school 90, old school shit so it's okay and then is it capitalized and underneath is there action or capitalized and it's on the same line
1: it's uh not on the same line okay. different line interesting yeah i thought it was great
0: yeah that's really cool i might still that too i'll sometimes do like julie dash dash and then keep it on the same line right or on julie colon and then do the thing but that's way cooler
1: yeah it's awesome it works too and there's so much going on and it's just like you know having seen the movie you can really picture this and i think it does a really great job of setting the scene for a director like you you read this and you're like yeah. I know what this is i know how this looks
0: yeah you can get the shots really clearly yeah, I like that a lot. Well done. You chose. You got you chose to you gotta it be right clean.
1: One. And then, last thing I'll say is, it actually says wide shot from above, which oh, I thought was really cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I loved about it. Well,
0: that gets in to mine. Oh boy, that, that's a good segue. I feel like okay. I'm not gonna change the names of this because it's so obvious. It's not. There's no point.
1: Okay, Back to the Future. <laughs>
0: All right, we are in an arena. It's late afternoon. Instantly, camera cranes high, soaring above the clearing and the forest that contains it, leaving the shrieking voices behind, finding Hogwarts Castle on the horizon.
1: Jeez.
0: A pinprick appears in the sky, lengthening, drawing closer in a rush of air, and then Harry's firebolt streaks into view. Camera cranes down, plummeting back into the abyss of screaming voices, tracking the broom right into Harry's hand. Instantly, Harry rockets into the air, clothes snapping, hair fluttering off his scar. In rage, the Horntail's head swivels, yellow eyes tracking Harry's every move as Harry dives. The Horntail spits forth a blazing rope of fire. Harry swoops, streaking under the flames, straightens out, dives again, then looks down and sees the dragon's spiked tail lashing up like a whip. I'm going to end there because that basically shows all the things I wanted to say. We know what happens next.
1: Wow. That's, that was a lot.
0: I think, I mean, obviously it's interesting that he uses such descriptive uh, camera choices and obviously he knows he's, writing steve cloves is the writer of this this is harry potter goblet of fire if you don't already know um obviously this is going to be made he knows that he's he's, there's no illusion that he's writing this just for a reader just for an executive to maybe like it and pass it down the line so he can do this shit but also it works for me i mean i I usually hate camera direction, but this feels really exciting somehow. He uses a lot of ellipses to make it kind of stretch the line, stretch out and feel like there's pace to it. There's, of course, all the camera stuff that he does is all in caps um, as you're following things down. I mean, but I think this sequence in particular, if you remember it from the movie, is all about how the camera is moving on these items like on the the broom coming in and then landing into so it kind of makes sense in this particular case yeah you hate it
1: no i don't hate it at all it's very interesting i don't even i it's hard for me to wrap my head around
0: you know what's also interesting is how specific he is given this is obviously a script that's going to mike newell to direct and i'm sure that they worked very closely together with the script I'm assuming, but also to say Harry swoops, streaking under the flames, straightens out, dives again, then looks down. Like that's, that's very specific direction. So Steve Kloves is okay with being pretty specific. That's great. I don't know. That's kind of all I have to say. I actually am still on the fence, whether I like the camera angle thing. I feel like he could still write this scene without using that. But again, if you are already going to make this might as well go for it
1: do you think the I mean, writer director obviously had a conversation prior right mm-hmm. being like hey here's what I think yeah like because I'm also on the fence with camera angles and I feel like once you kind of do it in a script you, you have to do it throughout a script for instance you can't just do it
0: in one scene
1: yeah I'm page 18 and that's it there is a delicate way to handle that I mean if it if you have to do it just like in bad boys wide shot of everyone walking in like mm-hmm. you have to establish everybody is walking in and it does visually get to get you to where you need to be
0: yeah yeah i do wonder at what stage this script in particular came in because just looking into the scene above it which is when harry and the others enter the tent in preparation for this event yeah this is harry standing alone as he begins to move camera tracks after following him through the tent and into arena yeah so yeah it's a choice he's making very specifically
1: wait when he he goes into the tent and into the arena is that a new scene header
0: it is yeah it's um so following him through the tent and into dot 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 exterior arena dot 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 the roaring arena
1: i gotcha Ooh, the roaring arena yeah (laughs) harry potter
0: it's eh, yeah there you have it okay all right i only have one more so
1: I have one more, okay. and this is actually going to uh, break every, uh, everything I've said.
0: How exciting.
1: You're going to know what it is pretty quickly. Am
0: I going to be upset, though? No. Go.
1: No, there's, there's absolutely no way you'll be upset. Okay. Exterior, chateau, front entrance, night. Harry nods to the security man at the door as he strides confidently through. He goes down the steps to the broad terrace above the motor court. Behind Harry, a guard lowers his walkie-talkie and starts after him. The guard says, may I see your invitation, sir? Without turning around, Harry slips a small flat box out of his breast pocket, a remote detonator. Harry says, here's my invitation. (laughs) He pushes the button and kaboom! The second floor office window blows out in a fiery explosion. Using the diversion, Harry leaps off of the terrace before the guard can open fire interior exterior van night gibb sees the rising fireball a half mile away he starts the van and says oh shit here we go back to the exterior of the chateau grounds harry sprints across the snow covered lawn through the trees guards with automatic weapons run after him firing the snow explodes around him with when bullets hit two dobermans pelt towards harry leaping at him in perfect unison He waits. He knocks their heads together in mid-leap with a crack like a baseball bat. The dogs drop into the snow, wobbling around like they're drunk. As Harry sprints on, another Doberman lunges out of the bushes ahead, leaping directly for his throat. Harry grabs the dog and shot puts him into the tree without breaking stride. Dog foo. The dog yelps and scrambles to hold onto an icy branch, looking down in amazement. (laughs)
0: I mean, true lies. Obviously, it's amazing. Obviously,
1: everything that I just read—from Harry sprints across the snow-covered lawn into the dog looking down in amazement—yeah, oh, no. that's one paragraph. That's one chunk. There's no dash. There's no freaking uh, new lines. Nothing.
0: Wow. Old school.
1: And and afterwards is a much bigger, like a, a full page of action.
0: Oh. I don't like it, but I love that. I mean, I was engaged.
1: Right? Here's my question. Would you read that now and be as engaged? Or would you be like, because you know it's true lies, would it does it make a difference?
0: It does make a difference. It totally does. Because yeah. I'm like, whatever, whatever you want to do, you do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. If this were like a script written in 2021, it would be like two dogs and it as its own thing, and then leaps Harry smashes them. Dog foo, which I don't actually think would be in a script anymore. But uh, no. anyway.
0: Do we think that that creates pace? Like why choose to do it that way?
1: I do think it creates pace. But I also think it's just a like a flex from James Cameron.
0: <laughs> you will read this fucking huge piece of action description yeah. and you will like it.
1: And This is, this is nothing compared to that. The other thing I want to note is that the Gibb character, who's mm. played by Tom Arnold, he's, he's the comic relief. And it's very important in this just to even say, ah, shit, here we go. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. they're used to it. This is, this is what Harry does. He fucking causes a problem. And now Tom Arnold has to save him. He has to get him out of it. Yeah. Which I really liked. And then like, just the here's my invitation thing.
0: That like, looks so good. Such a great if line. I
1: to, if I were to write that currently, <laughs> a Jay-Z would be like, change this.
0: No way, nose. man. It's so good. Like that's the classic stuff I miss. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to probably say that it it was just a, just like a writer choice versus there being any thought behind it, but I will also argue against myself and say potentially it creates pace because there's something about Harry in True Lies played by Arnold Schwarzenegger that's so in command of everything yeah. and so smooth and not the same way that john wick is but yeah i mean he's he does this entire thing in a tux this entire set piece is mm-hmm. him in a tux there's just something so smooth about him and to to put it all in one paragraph i think can can maybe convey that if you did divide it like we're talking about with dashes and it's like it feels more like born it feels more like paced up but yeah he's like super relaxed and he's like running down just like boom hits like it's just another Tuesday for old Arnold and that
1: oh my god do you remember watching true lies in a theater and seeing him hit those two dogs together
0: I remember feeling so I... sad and also being like oh my god that's so cool
1: what sad for the dogs yeah,
0: they, have, they like whimper in that moment
1: oh my god all right read your next one
0: <laughs> also I don't think there's a third dog in the actual movie right no there's not I don't think so
1: I actually think that might have been too far. Like, hey, yeah, you can't shot put a dog over a cliff.
0: Right, right. <laughs> it's also just too, <laughs> it's, it's too much. You don't need that beat.
1: <laughs> but the, you know what, though? That's a prime example of, like, you'd never seen that in a movie. That's never happened up until that moment as far as I'm concerned. Like, two dogs running at you. Yeah. You're, you're thinking as a viewer, what the fuck is about to happen here? And then they lunge at Harry and he just smashes their heads together. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. brilliant it is it's brilliant obviously if you can surprise the audience that way
1: there you go surprise the audience all right last one tasha take us home
0: i'm not gonna change the name i mean i'm gonna change the name should i change the name
1: change the name i want to guess this one
0: okay all right on cue the goons surge into john as one note John is always reactive when he fights, never the one to make the first move. When he first engages them, John is unsure and a tad bit awkward. Both each movement, much like an old machine coming back to life, he finds his tempo and rhythm. To the lead goon's surprise, John moves swiftly into him, ignoring the man's blade, which slices through his cheek as he proceeds to shatter the man's left knee and both arms before kicking in his sternum and breaking his jaw as he knocks him down. As John continues to pummel the center of the unconscious goon's face, when suddenly he freezes and faces the others. John reaches up to touch the fresh wound on his face with a frustrated sigh. Then in a single camera take, we watch as John proves himself to be a force of nature. He does not kill these men, but instead wounds them to the point of perhaps desiring death. With half of their number decimated, John pulls back. I'm going to stop there.
1: That's from our boy Derek right there.
0: It's our boy Derek Colstead with nobody.
1: That's, that's nobody.
0: That's Hutch on the bus kicking ass in a truly epic fight scene.
1: That's awesome. So another thing which we haven't really discussed, but the the idea of like stabbing a knife through somebody's cheek mm-hmm. and breaking their leg mm-hmm. or shattering their kneecap is so specific, so specific yeah, that you can visualize it. And I think that's very, very helpful. And um, clearly Derek has a handle on that.
0: And what's really interesting is this combination of specifics when you need it to, to the greatest effect of exactly what you're saying, shattering the man's knees, kicking in his sternum, and then also being very general with Hutch continues to pummel the center of the unconscious in his face. He, yeah. You know, like, also, like, I've never seen this before where he just, he gives more character. Like, the, the, the character stuff is the action of he proves himself to be a force of nature. He does not kill these men, but wound, instead wounds them to the point of perhaps desiring death. All of that, by the way, is underlined bolded and italicized and then he goes back to normal when he's like with half their number decimated hutch pulls back so like we don't even get action in that scene yeah we just he just tells us kind of generally what he's doing from a character standpoint
1: that is that's that's a good character action scene that's perfect Mm -hmm.
0: i'm just gonna i'm just i am gonna read the next section because he does the same thing it's also bolded underlined and italicized and there are three different paragraphs a beat and the remaining men surge into Hutch, who counters their every move before delivering a pain unlike any of them had ever known. At one point, his jacket is sliced, causing his Metro card to drop down onto the floor. With each one down, Hutch seems to come into his own, his methods, means, and motions precise. He's not telling us that he's kicking and punching and shit. he doesn't have to be like mm-hmm. already he's already established how cool this fight is by telling us about shattering the man's left knee those was moments yeah. of specificity at the top. then the rest is just character
1: it's all character, even to the point of having a metro card is character
0: yeah exactly, and then it becomes a big plot point. I think that's how they find him
1: oh really yeah oh okay, but yeah is that is metro card underlined
0: it's uh, it's all underlined, bolded, and italicized, but that word "Metrocard" is capitalized.
1: Interesting. Yeah, no, and that—that's like his his uh, old ways are coming back to him.
0: Yeah, and by the way, Metrocard is the only are the only two words capitalized in this entire fight scene.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it is a plot point. It comes back.
0: Yeah, and he does use a lot of ellipses, but no dashes and no caps. It's mm, so cool, Derek. Derek. You're so cool, man. Derek, your hero.
1: We'll see you soon, man. <laughs> that's great.
0: That's a, that's a great one to end on.
1: Yeah, no, that is a great one to end on, and all just to kind of reinforce the character thing is like, up until that moment, he was a dormant guy, right? Like he was he he's going through some shit, and this is it. This is his first fight to get him back in, which clearly Derek has a really good handle on people who don't want to be like (laughs) fucked with um and uh, yeah i i guess that's a really good specific everything he said for somebody who's trying to or who for someone who's finding their way again
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: i love that yeah i fucking love it
0: now i just want to write an action scene that's just character description totally (laughs) that's it
1: well it's very it's much easier said than done you know yeah because even like if someone didn't write that, if they just focused on the punching and the kicks and the cool things that could happen inside of a bus, we wouldn't know that he's finding his way. He's getting that taste for his old life again. Yeah. Right?
0: And it makes you, feel, it makes you realize you don't need all those specifics, punching, fighting, blah, 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 blah. You know you can envision what's happening on your own because he gives us yeah. a little bit, just a taste and then it's once I am once I get that taste and now you're telling me the character stuff that's going on behind his fighting, I'm imagining it myself. And that's even more exciting than reading what he could have written on the page.
1: What a day. This was a great episode. <laughs> I'm
0: inspired right now.
1: <laughs> I am too.
0: All right. We're going to wrap up.
1: Sure. I was just going to say, like, I was going to spring one of my own scripts on you, but I'm glad I didn't.
0: <gasps> Let's do it
1: no I, I closed it out i don't have it anymore god damn it thank god <laughs> you'd be like um I don't, that's interesting i don't
0: think i saw that dislike no <laughs>
1: <laughs> no pass
0: <laughs> no your reaction's great
1: mm.
0: all right quote of the day let's go the press don't like to say nice things because nice is boring it's much better to label me the devil What we do is not brain surgery. We are entertainers, plain and simple, and we're responsible to bring that money back to make a profit. Michael Bay.
1: I fucking love (laughs) Michael Bay. As you were saying that, I was like, whoever said this is my hero. I love this guy and perfect for our action. I I was looking
0: up quotes from Michael Bay because obviously he's he's our quote of the day for our action episode. They were all basically like, Fuck everyone else. What do they know? <laughs> oh, I Michael a Bay's genius. coming on the
1: podcast. <laughs> I'm getting him <them> on. <laughs> you know what? Tasha, my twenty twenty two goal for the Act Two podcast is to get Michael Bay on this podcast.
0: I will keep you to that. Okay. All right. Well, that's all. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha3.0.
1: And I'm on Instagram as Josh Hallman and Twitter, Joshua Hallman.
0: And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by Four and Four Bag, which you can find on Spotify.